Perfect. All right, this is Byproduct Performance and I'm here with Will Alway. Uh, he's a athletics performance coach at Indiana University and the founder of Invictus HP Health and Performance. Um, thanks for coming on today, Will. Uh, actually just started recording kind of mid conversation because I liked where it was going and wanted to make sure that uh, we had it saved. But you were kind of talking about um, during the pandemic, during lockdown, how um, you opened up your LLC Invictus HP. And it started out kind of just as an outlet for people that you were currently working with and that you had hands-on experience through athletics that had moved on um, or were in different spaces that they were no, no longer with you, like at the university or um, at previous institutions. Uh, but you started getting into how, how um, you begin you, you were seeing a difference in the online platform now bringing new people in um, because it wasn't so hands-on. And with athletics, like that's, that's one of the great things about it is you're right there with the athletes, you're training them, like you can correct them real time. Um, so could you kind of speak on how that transition's been um, still having the in-person outlet, but also now adding the online through Invictus um, and how you've been able to like manage that transition of previously mainly in person to now bringing in newer athletes through an online means. Yeah, it's like I said, it started out organically with just athletes I had had a history of working with and spent some time with, usually two seasons, a few years. And I wanted to graduate past, hey, just the Excel sheet, just the Google Sheets doc kind of thing. And I had interest from other people, some that were former athletes and things of that nature that just wanted to get back in, on training. And so one of the things I did was look at that model that I had and go, all right, well, this isn't going to work for somebody that's brand new because I haven't seen the move. I haven't seen a lot of things. And one thing that I even forgotten, you forget too, is in the NCAA, for example, when an athlete shows up on campus, they usually they typically get cleared by medical staff and all that before they can start training and practicing. And so they've got a detailed history. They've taken tests and done all this stuff and I just get a report and then I can look at that, skim through, ask my own questions. We can get right to training and I'm assessing as we train. Whereas now when I'm reaching out to somebody I've never met before, I've got to make sure, and this is part of it for me that certain courses and things like that, shout out PSL one and things like that, um, help me just do a better job of getting that history, asking the right questions, asking questions I probably wouldn't have ever thought to ask, things that I'd naturally just come across organically or see somebody walk in a room, you notice there something doesn't seem right, you can ask questions right away. Whereas in the online space, you don't see them walk into the gym, you don't see some of the interactions they have with teammates or friends and whatnot. So you don't always have these questions to ask in the back of your mind. So it really just created for me a lot of questions because I remember the first couple of clients, there were some things that had they been in person, I would have thought, thought to ask and done right away. And we would have never would have had some of the minor issues that we did. Whereas now I'm getting a video from somebody doing something and I'm going, mm, I guess I forgot to mention that part or ah, I should have called this out beforehand. So, um, kind of going from one space to another and not so much that I'm outside of the in-person space, but getting into the online space, that difference was mainly getting better at creating systems and then just streamlining the questions and then 
that flow chart that's in all of our heads of, hey, if we see this, ask this, yes or no, there, then we go here. Really just putting those on paper, putting them in documents, and then going, all right, each time I meet a new individual, here's how the conversation starts and it's organic, but now making sure there's a few things that I, a few stones that I make sure I turn over before we get into our hardcore training. Yeah, absolutely. I think you bring up like such a great, uh, great point of like the, the non-verbals or like the non-visuals that might come from online. And in my opinion, why it's so important or like there's such an advantage to starting in person because you learn those things in a coach starting strictly online and kind of having that disconnect or not having the opportunity that you might just get in person picking up on so many of those nonverbal, non-visual cues. Um, and, you know, going, it's, it's the exact same thing that I went through um, whenever I opened up my online offering. It, it's that transition of, uh, growth and understanding of like, oh yeah, I forgot to ask about this. Like, this is something I usually would never have to think about because I just see the person or like, or just um, the lines of communication, like trying to, trying to figure out how somebody communicates when it's not in person. Cause you can't get the same like energy or vibes from them to be able to detect. Okay. Like, like they're ready to go today or like, okay, we're going to have to like, slowly ease into this like they haven't had their coffee today um and trying to figure out like like time and time again um like with my notes section with any of my online clients it's you know sometimes i have very very detailed people and then i have maybe like two or three words i'm like okay now i have like now we have to go back and forth and i have to ask five more questions just to like get some answers um or even like we're doing right now, like if like having to bring into the screen and like be able to talk through and kind of see how they're responding to stuff. It's the difference between like them, you know, a simple like good on the notes and then you're talking and they're like, well, it was this or that. And you're okay. So it wasn't good. And they're like, well, I guess not. And sometimes just, just phrasing those questions to get them to like start thinking in greater detail than just surface level or to get them to start answering their own questions. Like sometimes that can reveal a lot of things. So I definitely feel you on that transition phase um, and just that being able to like learn and adapt as you go to make it more streamlined. It's always at the front of it that seems like it's the toughest and like where you have the most trial and errors till you get to that point where you're like, okay, smooth sailing now. Absolutely. And that's, so one of the things I realized I wanted to do is kind of niche down a little bit. And so most of the clientele that I accept are usually individuals that are former athletes or kind of transitioning out of being a competitive athlete. Uh, a lot of times they're going through that issue with oh, my bum shoulder, my bum knee, this and that. And they just maybe never had really great training before. They were a good athlete. They gone through collegiate maybe even high school was as far as they went still very athletic and whatnot but they're just struggling to get back into training so that's kind of where I niche down to because as you said you could ask somebody hey how you feeling that person that's an athlete mindset is going to go good wait okay well how's this how's that you told me in our first in our first call that sometimes your low back does this it's like ah yeah it was bothering me today but like I didn't think anything of it. it's like well 
that, I need to know that. You got to tell me that. So a lot of times it would come down to me now asking questions and trying to make them as objective as I could. Like, hey, scale of one to 10, how's that? How's that low back feeling? Or whatever the case might be. And then ask that next um, subjective question of, all right, they describe it to me. What does it feel like? You know what I mean? Does it feel on a scale of one to 10? Are we at a one where it's like Brittany in the early 2000s? Or are we at a 10 where we're Matthew McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. And if, if, they're, if they can, and again, I try to throw some of those things in there every once in a while, just so that they can think, just so they realize that it's not just binary ones and zeros. It's like, hey, he's looking for context here. So let me give him a little bit of something. But working with that athlete, I've got a client right now, former athlete and now coaching. I'll ask a simple question of just, hey, how was the weekend? How did this go and whatnot? And I'll get a paragraph back. And I'll, I'd rather take that than absolutely nothing. So it's been pretty good to see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, th I think it's really unique that like you and I are in different departments, but share kind of similarities in some of the spaces that we work in in a university setting and both of us um, going into like the online space outside of outside of that to kind of have those contrast um, and just like I, I think from our earlier conversation um, Invictus HP came similar to byproduct performance of it was an outlet like I I had people that were approaching me that were like wanting to work with me. And at the time I didn't have anything. I was like, yeah, like I'll help you out. Like I can make you this, but like I can't do it long-term because I didn't have anything in place that finally built up to the point where I was like, okay, I need something in place. Cause I can't like, I can't just keep doing these one-offs cause it's not benefiting anybody. So it like, I hearing you talk about that, like it, it kind of, made me reflect similar of, yeah, it, it was in creation of being able to help people, but also like to be an outlet for um, people whenever they, they don't, you know, they transition out of athletics or like away from personal trainers or like some of mine are also uh, coaches and trainers that want deeper layer and kind of want the education side to it. So it's a transition of that away from like just their certification or just a, a course that it's deeper layer conversations and thinking and something that you mentioned um, that I think we find a lot is, is um, that in a university setting or even a high school setting, that transition from being an athlete to potentially no longer an athlete. And whenever it, like exercise and workouts are so intertwined into that identity that in that transition out I think a lot of athletes find that no matter what level that like they've been working out for years but they've never they never learned how to work out and so that you know that's a whole nother revelation that that a lot of times it's it's taking like my firm uh former uh exer or my former uh program I used to do as a like football player or basketball player, I'm just going to keep doing that. And, but like never knowing like the progression or never, never even knowing if like, Hey, if this is a useful program, if this is a good program and not as efficient program, is this even the right setting? Like, Hey, this might've been in season and like you're out of season for the rest of your life. So let's look at this different, but there's, you know, the it's, it's so much time spent in a weight room and under a barbell that 
that that education side is kind of lacking in learning like why are we doing this and and I don't necessarily think it's the fault of um, S&C coaches by any means because you guys are under such strict time limits and like regulations and having to work with um, having to work with so many different sports like there's no time and place for it but but like hearing that you've been able to create a company that can help facilitate that a little bit more in the transition of either currently an athlete, but not in their programming currently, or a former athlete now transitioning out that like you're a resource for them to be able to like continue to stay in shape because that's the other thing I think uh, we've both seen is just the drop off of, okay, now I'm no longer an athlete. Like, now I'm not working out and like everything kind of goes away because it was so intertwined. So giving them, giving, or you being that resource to help them continue on in more in less of like a performance-based goal now and more so like health or just transition away from just this program for this sport to, Hey, what are, what are some things you want to do and want to get better at? Because now the focus is you and not 40 other people in the weight room with you. Absolutely. It's so I'm a nerd and and maybe it's self-proclaimed, but I've been told that I am. And so there's been a lot of cool things that happened in my career. And one of them that stands out seems very minimal, but it's about five, six years ago, I had a baseball player come up to me in the fall and he was talking about certain things and he's saying, telling me how summer ball went. And he said, yeah, this summer, like a lot of our guys on our team didn't know how to lift. So I was teaching guys how to squat and that fired me up because I've always told people, and it's something that was told to me. It's like, if you want to know, if you know something, just try and teach it to somebody else. If you try to simplify that concept and just teach it to somebody else. That tells me, you know, you know what you're doing. And that kind of pushed me to get guys to the point, like male, female, you name it, to the point where they knew what they were doing and at least had an understanding of why they were doing it that way. And that was that's more so like the technical aspect of tra- training and lifting. And then furthermore, to go past, like, everybody's got this emotional connection to training. You can say you do, you can say you don't. If you don't feel great, there's a good chance like your training is going to be affected by it, whether positively or negatively. And what I was finding was a lot of athletes, just like you said, would take their last card, their last workout sheet that was on that program, or they would take the one that they liked the most, the one that made them feel really good. Like I still remember phases where certain times of kind of like an in-between phase, maybe like a preseason dead period, where one of the goals of the days was to really work on, um, overhead overhead position but then also just incorporate the lat it's wholly different ranges so like your length and range mid-range and that's hey let's let's see if we can use the triceps in not just our mid-range but let's kind of go into that shortened range go into that extended so i did that basically what that leaves you with is a bunch of dudes that have a back and tricep pump (laughs) and they all walk out just doing this sure enough like that's the car that's the sheet that they wanted because they felt so good every time they walked out of the room because they felt huge right and so i find it so funny that you say that because they won't necessarily know why it's that football player that's like oh i'll just do what we did right and i came across this years ago we had a for a while i was internship coordinator and just being in a mentorship role is cool with young coaches too 
Um, but we had an intern who's now a football strength coach in a Power Five conference. And I remember once he put together a workout, put the, laid out a, what a week would look like, and asked him why he did that. It's like, oh, we do legs on this day, we do shoulders and whatever, whatever. He's, I don't know. That's what we did when we played. That's what we did when I played, right? And so there was no understanding of why it was put in place, whether it had something to do with the schedule, whether it had something to do with the adaptation they were going for. It's just, hey, this is what we do. And so I've found myself more and more over the years trying to eliminate that monkey see, monkey do, like the traditional, oh, this is what we do. And so we'll just always do that. And then having guys understand, all right, this is why we're going to make this change today. This is why we're going to add this today. This is why we're going to pull back on that. Hey, you did this really well. Now we're going to move you to this, the challenge X, Y, Z. And then some of it sticks, some of it doesn't, but at least now I'm trying to do my part so that when somebody leaves, they understand that, okay, when my right knee does act up a little bit, it's probably not my knee. It's probably something I haven't been doing with my hip. So let me try and do hip stuff and see if I can fix my knee. And they don't even have to be a physio. They don't have to be a trainer. They just have to know that like, oh, this was linked to that. I want to feel better. I want to get stronger. I should start with this and then progress to that. If they get some of those little concepts in. I think I've done my job, but they can go on and train for the rest of their life or for at least a good amount of time before they need something else. Yeah. And like you made, I'm over here just like smile, smiling and a little bit like fired up because I've, I've had like similar experiences, but like a couple things that I wanted to highlight that you pointed out, like first off, one of them, like the, just having the intern that's like, Hey, I want to do this or like being able to see somebody's passion, even if they don't have direction, like if they don't need to come to the table with like a, like full degree and understanding and years of experience, it's like just that passion. Like I can take that. Like I can, I can take that. I can help mold it. I can help direct it. Like I just need you to give a shit about this. Like, if that's the starting point, awesome. I want you on the team and let's figure this out. Let's, let's help get you where you want to go. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely uh, feel similar to that as far as like being able to identify passion, but also how it can like reignite that spark for you or just like think passion begets passion where if you just get a room or in a room full of passion, like it just helps both parties um, or anybody in the group to kind of restock that or, or reignite that um, that fuel to go on. And, you know, there's some of those days where like you leave good conversations. I'll probably have it the same after this one. Like I'll leave here and be like, oh, I need to be doing 20 more things. I need to be writing all these articles. Let me organize my thoughts. Um, but yeah, like I, I really appreciate that you said that because very, very similar in those experiences and in our setting um having that like having that why and um just asking hey why'd you do this because i think that's i'm not in strength and conditioning but i think it's something that perpetuates at multiple levels university high school even lower that like well this is what i used to do or like this is what i was introduced yeah. with where nobody really breaks that cycle of why. And it's, it's not to say necessarily that like, it's a good or bad program. It's just have an understanding of why you're doing this or why it's set up like that, where I think that question is so lost, especially in like football's kind of notorious for it, that like, it's just, 
hey, this is what we did. Like, I was a collegiate athlete. This is what we did. So I'm bringing this into here without ever understanding or without ever like adapting or pushing it to the current setting. Um, and another thing you were kind of mentioning is like having him go and explain why, why he created the program the way he did. Um, so that's actually something I use for my personal trainers um, in the interview process. I send them like a brief um, client case study where like outline of like, here's the profile, um, build a week program. Here's a list of, I think it's like a table of like 30 exercises. It's like, okay, go like make something. And with that, it's like, I'm not looking for a specific program. Like I don't organize the profile in a way of like, this has to be a strength program or like, this has to be that. It's just, here's the context, make something. And in our interviews, I'll bring that up. Um, like I'll bring up the program that they've created and we'll talk through the whole thing. I'll ask them, okay, like here, like, why'd you set this up? Okay. If this is hurting, how would you modify that? And just more so in the interview process, like have developed it in a way where it's, I don't, I care less about what degree they're in or what certification they might, might have. I care more about the thought process that goes into how it's built because that's what I can work with. Like, that's what I can identify. Like, even if it's not correct, like, or like there's better approaches to based on their understanding. Like, I, I want to see what that passion is. And I want to see what that thought process that went into creating it, because everybody's going to have different introductions to, um, to how they started or like what got them into the gym. And all of that's relevant. It's just, you know, seeing like, like the, the thought and creation to it and being able to like talk through it and just verbalize it. Um, Cause yeah, being able to, being able to teach something is, is huge. And oftentimes like we're, we don't have the time or don't, um, don't allow for like that exchange of, okay, I just taught you something, teach it back to me. Or if we're in a group, now you teach it to this person. Um, Sunday, I got a, uh, staff training we have personal trainers and our weight room staff that come in and we do like a two-hour training together and so um, all my trainers are going to do a 20-minute presentation to the FOS staff and to the other trainers and just teach on them and the only guidelines I gave them it's like something you're interested in and it has to have a hands-on portion I was like that's it I don't care what it is go for it and so I'm uh I'm still waiting on a couple of them, but I'm interested to see uh see what some of the topics are that they come up with. Yeah, you'll probably end up with a big bag with that. It's so it's so it's funny you mentioned that uh, just kind of the thought process behind it because it's critical thinking, right? It's I did this because I saw this and I tried to create a pro I tried to create a solution for that problem. Right, that problem could be largely inputs that you were given. It could be just the structure of things, whether it's like how the week set up. You're trying to, let's say, train somebody that only has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to train, and then the rest of the week is just shot because it's full of other things. Well, I would probably structure things very differently, and just kind of taking that in consideration. But even more so, I, I like your idea. I may have to steal that from you. Just kind of giving them a a pool of exercise and then just go like, Hey, create it. And then have that conversation. Cause 
we've definitely done in the past, even with interns, where part of the interview process was once, hey, write a program. Here's just the template so that they all look the same and you have an idea of how it works. Um, but other than that, it's free reign. You write whatever you want. Maybe we give them a little bit of a scenario to play around with, whether it's a team, a sport, a type of athlete, and then let's go. Most of those end up really bad because again, I mean, you're looking at the program and going, mm, probably would never do this. But then you talk to some of them and even though the program may not be something that I would justify as a good program, their thought process showed me that, oh, they were actually working through some things there. I can work with that. That's not a problem. Then there's others going, well, I just thought, well, I did squat. So I thought squat would make them better. And that's why I did squat. Hmm. Bro, we got a we got a lot to get into here then. So yeah, that thought process piece is and it's it's helpful with everything else too, right? You make, I'm sure you guys talk about how to make modifications to just somebody's workout based on they come in and they're they're looking sluggish or they're not looking like themselves. What what and how would you modify it? It's the same thing. I and again, in our setting, it's a little bit different where you kind of do it based on the maturity of the individual. But for me, for a long time, it was, hey, when they're, especially when they're mature enough, and hopefully we get to that point sooner rather than later, it's, no, you make the call, right? I'm, I'm not going to necessarily tell you what to do because you will probably feel something before I see something, right? And if that's the case, you got to know what to do when that happens. So now you're just teaching them to think for themselves. And, and that's something, again, going back to that first experience five, six years ago, it just transformed into me wanting to go, all right, when I'm not with them, will they know what to do, right? If not, that's a problem, right? So how do I get them to that point? Because um, I don't expect people to be me and I don't expect our coaches or athletes to be me, but I want them to be able to think for themselves and be able to do things according to what's necessary at the time, whether it's, hmm, I didn't get a ton of sleep last night and had a long practice this morning. So this training session right now, I should probably do X, Y, Z because I'm on the road. I've got no signal, so it's hard for me to call Will. Like, what do I do right now, right? Um, sometimes it's just, hey, shut it down for the day or get a little bit of this in. We can pick it up the next day. Other times it's, hey, let's make a judgment call because this hotel weight room only has dumbbells up to 50 and you got lucky with a cable machine. You got lucky, so you can do some <laughs> stuff there. Um, what do I do, right? And so now that's that's really how my coaching style has evolved is to get people to just start to think based on what we have, because years of working with baseball, you travel almost every single weekend and you guaranteed have to train on the road. I wanted guys to know that, hey, depending on what we have access to, that'll change necessarily, that might change what we do. It won't change why we do it. Like the, what we're trying to get out of it, our adaptations are still gonna be the same, given the right parameters. And now it's like, all right, we're stuck in this room and we've only got this. Well. These are the movement patterns we're going to hit. How can we change this now so that we still get whatever adaptation we're looking for? And then we come back the rest of the week, complete our training week, and then we're still good to go the next week because we didn't miss a beat. Um, and just getting people to that level of understanding is, is huge in my book. And I don't know. It doesn't come easy, though, because I'm sure you figured it out or you're figuring it out. I love talking to guys like Kayla and Hamilton and even Shallow work because – I'll think about something and I'll have a conversation with either one of them and they'll just go like, well, yeah, just step one, two, three. 
And I look at myself going, yeah, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> why didn't yeah, I yeah, think it's, that? it's that easy. That's it. Um, but, but realistically, it's like everything that we've thought of and made this complicated process in our head, we could probably simplify to at least steps one, two, three to start. Maybe four through eight are totally more, way more complex, but it's like, at least if we have those starting points to go down, we create a system for it. Um, an analogy I'll get for that, or an example I'll get for that is, I work with a lot of divers and over the years I've worked with different aquatic teams, but with divers, one of the things for them is like, you've gotta be fast, your timing's gotta be on point. Otherwise you can land on a board wrong. It'll just feel funny. Everybody will hear it. You'll hit the water, face plant, doesn't feel good. Like all sorts of bad things could happen. And so when it came to warming up, some of them realized that they would go through a general warm up that was put together by somebody else, maybe a previous coach or somebody, and they didn't feel ready at all, right? Um, I didn't go into any physiology with them because some of them are media majors, some of them are like business students, but I literally broke down, all right, when we get ready to do something here, we got three categories. We got WD-40, we've got, uh, what is it? WD-40, heart rate, and then blast off, something, something along those lines, right? And basically all it was was like, you're WD-40, let's get things moving. If things are, if this isn't getting where it should be, do some of the things because we've already done the workouts we've done the exercises so you already know what they are it's like do the things that help you feel that way all right now when we get to here let's do that when we get to blast off do things that are ready to get you going like firing on all cylinders and go from there and just that simple framework it's like way more complicated if you or i to have a conversation on how we put things together but i'm like i've got a group of nine to twelve like 18 to 20 year olds that don't speak science how do i just simplify this because they know all the exercises they know all the movements it's just now a matter of putting in a framework that they can go oh yeah it's that easy it's abc um so that's that's one of those things that's definitely been on the forefront of my mind and like you're saying it's it's teaching that thinking part you can yeah, simplify it yeah and like will this is exactly why i wanted to get on a call with you because like you you left so many gold nuggets throughout that of first off like the the true sign of mastery is being able to simplify something down that anybody that you're talking to can understand it and can directly apply it because athletes don't need to know to the level that you know like that's not what's important it's just getting like getting the performance-based goal that you're looking for and so having like putting it in a context where WD-40, hey, is this loose enough to get into a position that if your arm needs to go here to dive in the water and it's only getting here, like we need to do something about this to get you in there. But simplifying it where like no, no matter what their degree is, no matter what their sport is, they can understand that. But also like giving them self-organization and self-selection um, makes them like it, it invests them into their own training and their own, uh, their own like performance and their own progression, but also giving enough education where, where that critical thought, it doesn't, like, I think, I think sometimes people get lost in trying to think about things critically that like they look to a resource of like, oh, what book have you read on like critical thinking or like how to think better? And it's like, no, just ask questions and try to answer those questions. Like 
have conversations and and you know that that's part of like the the answer that you were getting from like shallow or killing in some of those conversations where they're like oh it's just a b and c it's the exact same thing in that critical thought like people are are wondering how like how do i get them to think this way and like just put them in situations where they have to answer questions like it, it can be that simple and and i think it's so crucial to not only an athlete's development, but an athlete's understanding, because I think what, what can happen a lot in our space, whether it's an individual or like even in our space, um, I think a lot of coaches, trainers, they get so lost in viewing an exercise in this isolated state of like a deadlift is a deadlift is a deadlift instead of like, oh, it's a hip hinge mechanic. Here's the 20 other exercise that also incorporates hinging mechanics. And so like I, I think that's where where sometimes it's lost the inability to modify or be able to progress or regress where there there's a look to an outlet in the industry of like, oh, this exercise for this thing. It's like, yeah, it could be. It could be this one thing, could be 20 other things, but we know this, like we understand it better through progressions and regressions of of position, of stability, of intensity, things like that, where if you can start connecting these dots, it's an easy, it's an easier transference along an exercise spectrum to understand that, hey, okay, if I can't do this, here's a simple modification that I don't have to go from this big block exercise all the way over here. Like there's a lot of ABCs or one, two, threes in between those that we can now like move to, but it's only through that understanding of, um, first understanding themselves of like how it's feeling, how it's moving. Um, and if, if that's, if the day is not the day to be able to perform that, giving them an outlet just through that, okay, like, what do I need to do or what's missing here to be able to modify down or be able to progress up? Um, Cause yeah, like you were saying, like seeing on, like the explanation of a squat because it gets you stronger, like, okay, like, let's start there. We can start that conversation. But like, whenever you see some of like, when you see an exercise showing up in the program starting, okay, how, how are you seeing this in itself? And what are, what is some of the impact that it might have? And now how does the reverberation and placement of that exercise, like impact everything else in the program of that day, the program of the week and this whole training book block, because all there's that interconnectivity between all of them like an example I would use is like squat jumps um I think like at home workouts are probably more notorious for this or like the like quick ones of like just higher intensity of like a lot of jumping because it's harder and it feels hard but but like understanding that okay like there is a great time and place for jump squats like if we're looking to sports of like basketball volleyball where they're having to jump and land and it's it's a focus towards landing mechanics like that can be so crucial especially for like injury risk prevention reduction whatever you want to use but like teaching those landing mechanics but what it's not in the context of teaching landing mechanics it's not conditioning work because like those are two very very different things and then also if like hey your sport doesn't really jump it stays stays pretty uh, linear on the ground like why, why are we doing like squat jumps whenever like if 
if we want to talk about vertical, you know, there's some other stuff like this, but, but it's that understanding of like, Hey, what's, what's the end goal with this? How, how are we trying to, um, how are we trying to utilize this? Not just for like, it's not just this one thing, like it, it depends on the context that it's applied, but getting people to start thinking in that way of like, this exercise isn't just this one thing or just for this purpose. It's the context of like what we put it into that is going to shape and impact it. Um, I'm, I'm sure you had a very similar experience, uh, but like in high school weights class, like doing um, the like uh, step boxes or whatever, like doing conditioning on those and like jump, jump, on or jump over as many times as possible because it's conditioning work. Whenever every single person that did those probably has like shin scars and like have bled on those boxes where, you know, it's just like one step removed. Like that's how we, that's how it starts to become so simple of like, hey, is this the best usage of this? You're like, "Hmm, maybe not. 100%, man, 100%. And I think it all just goes back to, for me, it's the word I use often more now is adaptation, right? As a professional, whether it's a personal trainer, strength conditioning coach, physio, athletic trainer, whatever, it's like, what's, what's the adaptation that we're looking for? What do we expect? What's, what's the outcome that we expect or that we're trying to get? And then does what we're doing line up with that, right? Recently, I had a conversation with uh, a former athlete sent me a program that was put together and the main focus or originally the main focus was, Hey, this is the goal on bench. Want to hit this number, check out this program. I looked at it and I automatically went, well, that's not going to do it. And then I come to find out they're also competing in some different martial arts and they want to be strong for that. And they want to get bigger. It's like, well, <laughs> Well, well, here's the thing. It's like, and it's funny because he even said it before I got there because I just started asking questions. And the question was, well, is anybody working with you on your technique for a bigger bench, that kind of stuff? But yeah, my buddy's a powerlifter and he's working with me. He's like, but he's trying to get the position. So I'm minimizing range of motion and stuff. Well, that's because he wants to put as much weight on the bar as possible, right? And so when you're trying to do so many things that don't quite add up, it's like your your box jump example, it's like get on or over as many times. Is this the right tool for the job that we're trying to do? And you just start to look at what you're doing. Uh, I don't want to say under a microscope, but you start to look at what you're doing a little bit more clear, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you a lens for, hmm, this is what I say I want. How does what I'm doing reflect that? And you can look back and evaluate what you've done and what we've done. And I can look at programs that I made for like the very first basketball team I ever worked with. And now I'm going, hmm, big mistake. I don't know what I was doing there. I had I had the right idea in mind, but now with a totally more refined lens, I'm looking back going, I wanted this. That's probably not how I should have gone about it, right? Like I had maybe the right things in mind, but now I know a better way of going about it. And that comes with educating yourself and asking those questions. Hey, is this the best way to go about it? Or what's the best way at our disposal right now of achieving this goal? And so who knows, like maybe, maybe when we were in grade school, 
all they had were those little step boxes and everybody scraped their shins and they said, you know what, we'll take an L for this one because this is all we've got. But I definitely do it. Some doing some of those like old presidential type tests going. Looking back, man, the the amount of issues I could have avoided. <laughs> the amount of issues and skin I would have saved not jumping on those things. But oh yeah. And and you know, I think something that you bring up that's that's crucial to growth and development in in this space is is first off getting the exposure outside of yourself. Cause I think I think sometimes with coaches, with um with personal trainers, like we can get so isolated in our space that like we fall into the day-to-day routine that like sometimes we can get lost of like, oh, six months have gone by and like I haven't read anything new. I haven't like listened to anything different or like created that exposure for ourselves that I think it's critical to like continue to grow and expand and like also check yourself and just look at like being able to facilitate that reflection of looking back to like whenever you started or and even looking back to what you wrote for programs a year ago like I I I would much rather have the coach and the trainer that like looks back and they're like oh I didn't know what I was doing like this was all terrible because it it shows that facilitation of like yeah I've exposed myself I've thought critically about this like I've I've looked at it through those different lenses and like looked at like, hey, how can I manipulate this and maneuver it and give myself longer room to progress or like a better application or like you said, greater adaptation to what we're doing if I change some stuff around or if I just think about it like in a bigger space, how might I manipulate it differently? I'd much rather hear that time and time again than you know, a, a coach that, yep, doing the exact same program that we've been doing for five years. Like, you haven't changed anything? Like, nope. Like, okay, well, no questions for you, sir. Um, that, that right there, that right there is turned into, I don't know, call it my come to Jesus speech or whatever it is. And I say it with athletes and I'll mention it talking with recruits and stuff. It's like, I don't have a program for you. Cause I don't know you. You just walked in the door. I don't know you. We can put some stuff together, but I tell them all the time. It's like, I don't just take last year's program and go, Hey, this is what we're doing again. Hopefully for a number of reasons. One, some of you were, were not here last year, right? Two, it's like, if you are the exact same person this time this year, as you were last year, we already messed up somewhere along the way. Right. So if we haven't adapted, we haven't changed and there's probably an issue there. And so now it's like looking at our, what are some of the things that do need to change? What has changed, right? If my, again, I go back to scheduling because that's a big thing in NCAA. It's some coaches like, oh yeah, we're, we're training Tuesday and Thursday. And then next thing you know, it's like, ah, oh, we'll go Monday, Thursday, Friday. And then, well, if all those things change and the practices change and everything, there's no way that last year's program could be the best one, right? And then going back, I heard somebody say this once, but I don't mind making templates for things like a template for a field athlete, a template for an aquatic athlete. But if that template is the best thing, like the best one that you can come up with, everything else then is a derivative. That's a derivative of it. Either it's going to be a little bit better or a bit worse. Right? It's, it's like, so if it's a little bit better, then it's no longer the best thing. So like my, should my template change or should just, should I, my thinking start to change on like, all right, 
why why is it the best for this situation and so on and so forth because 100 right that same thing that gets handed out five years in a row just because hey this is what we did and nothing broke last year so let's just do it again that i don't know i'll, I'll go down a whole rabbit hole if we start talking about pet peeves but uh, that's one of those things that i totally agree with you on yeah, and like an, kind of another point that like I think in the same context that you've been having the conversation more and more about adaptation, um, like I've been having a sim similar conversations about viewing exercises stress because I think like sometimes coaches, trainers or just clients and athletes like the the benefits of working out are promoted and like that's fantastic like getting people more physically active I think that's our overall goal and getting them to do it more efficiently and everything like that like that's the goal but but I think sometimes the context can get lost to like hey this is a stressor and we should treat it as a stressor that those benefits only come through recovery and you need to be mindful of all the other stressors that are going to impact and affect that that workout, but also how this workout is going to impact everything else. And, and I know with like you in a university setting, it, <clears throat> it's almost like amplified to the 10 on that of, okay, so now I'm working with athletes that also have practices, that also have classes, that also, you know, depending on when the season is, they might have two a days. That is it in season? Is it off season? Are we having to manage schedules that you now have um, regulations of how many hours in the week you can meet with these athletes. You know, it, it's such a like juggling act that you have to manage. Like my, my hat goes off to you, sir. It's, it is almost easier working with athletes still. Despite, I 100% agree with you, but despite that it's almost easier working with athletes because when you get to a certain point, at least you know what you're working with. It's like, hey, we're, they're going to get this many days for Thanksgiving, this many days for Christmas, whatever. Whereas Jim and Jane that are working a nine to five and maybe they've got two kids or something's going on at home, the wife's not happy or the husband's not happy or whatever. It's like all of a sudden those stressors change. But yeah, you're 100% right where things things will change. There's a discretionary period. There's a, this many hours per week we can train. Now we can go up to this many. It goes back and forth. And then you got to realize they're human too, right? They're students, they're athletes, they have lives that exist outside of these walls. And so there's plenty of times where something might be going on at home that you or I know nothing about, but it's definitely taking a toll on them. And I use the exact same phrase, stress is stress, right? That the weight room is stress. Life stuff is stress. I had somebody for the past few weeks that was practicing super hard was also studying and writing an MCAT exam to get into med school and doing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and so some days, and they made a comment the other day where it's like what we had written out, we never did exactly what was written out. It's like, no, because it's not set in stone. It's literally just a template to follow. And based on, based on the inputs of life, we're just going to make adjustments. And sometimes those adjustments are, hey, that's it for today. Let's shut it down, go home, get some food, get some sleep. And you kind of got to do that sometimes, but it's, it's understanding just what you said, that this is stress, regardless of sometimes it being used as, I call it a form of medication for some people, it definitely is stress and you got to treat it as such and understand how to manage it because it can, 
it can go really well for us or it can go poorly, right? If it's mismanaged. Yeah. And it's, you know, time and time again, I use this phrase, um, walk when you must sprint when you can. And it's in that application of like, Hey, like we're, we're showing up today. Cause like now, like I'm starting to add to it a little bit, but like, Hey, we have to show up. We have to show up and at least like start somewhere. But, but, you know, on like the days where like super stressed, I didn't get sleep. Like my nutrition was all over the place today. Um, like, okay, like, here's what we have written down. Let's, let's start in on it and like adjust and adapt as we need. Cause I know personally for me, I've had some of those days where the lowest energy and um, like not feeling it. But once I got onto the bar, just kind of kicked in of like, okay, figure this out. And like stuff started coming on and what might've been like, if I was using, you know, some type of like heart rate variability or like something like that, like it, probably was going to be a red day or or a yellow day where it's like hey back off and like like I know that because I'm, I'm not unaware of like how stressed or how tired I am but once I actually started moving like using using that self-organization and understanding of of self to to know like okay like we can we can push this like might have to be more on point with position and like a little bit more focused um or if it all are, is those days of like, okay, like, yeah, I need to, I need to back this down a little bit. Cause like what was uh, reps of 10 last week is now five, like, Hey, red flags going up, like need to be mindful of that. But then also like in the same breath of sprint when you can, like it's, it's okay. If we're having a good day, let's use this good day. By no means does that mean, Hey, let's go max out or like, let's completely go off program. But it's like, Hey, we're like, we're feeling good. Like we, it doesn't have to involve adding weight or anything like that because like long-term progression is important, but like, Hey, you're feeling good. Like maybe it's less time in recovery or maybe it's just interacting with more people, like whatever that feel good is, or like maybe it's taking a little bit bigger set in like a total form or something like that. A lot of outlets for it, but it's just based on, you know, depending on how you are that day, like we can organize, we can adapt, we can modify as needed. Um, but still looking at like just being mindful of just because it's on the piece of paper doesn't mean it has to be done. Like we want to work towards that because that's, that's how we can like get long-term progression, but having like having a willingness as that coach and the athlete, having that understanding that like it's okay to modify stuff's going on like none of none of us like none of our lives are solely revolving around the weight room like this is something we all like but there's a lot going on outside of here and like this is just a small factor of that 100 i i love that i love that quote because i think i've seen you post that a couple of times and you sound like man that's so good because just take it make it your own <laughs> It's right there. It's just James there. It's that's that's every single time now. Um, but seriously, because just like you said, nothing's written in stone. And so there's definitely been a change in my approach and my coaching with with that same concept in mind, where before I was looking for, hey, what's the amount, right number of weeks before it deload and what's this and that? It's like if you don't take one, life will eventually give you a deload <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at some point, some way, somehow, sometimes a rough one, but you'll get that. And then if you 
kind of work so maximally all the time or you're so far below what you need to be doing, you're going to have a lot of days where you could sprint and hopefully you do on those days, right? And so that's one of the things that's changed for me where I'll have blocks of training now where it's basically hinged on consistency. We're, we're working on technique and by no means is that just, hey, everything's 50% to 70% and we're just going to go nice and easy. But it's we're primarily focused on the quality of the movement. And if somebody comes in on all cylinders, like last week was the end of all their midterm exams and they got they caught up on sleep and they're feeling great. It's like, oh, we're doing this. We're going ham today. We're going like, to use it today. We're going to use it. it and it may not be on the calendar per se, but it's like, why waste that opportunity? Um, barring obviously anything that we're preparing for close by, it's like, why waste that opportunity, right? Why not use it and then go forth, right? Get get to another level. And so that's something that I do think is missed out on. And I've given the example now of to a number of athletes, like for me training, my, my dad was an athlete and I didn't see much of his athletic career, of course, and didn't obviously train much back then. And they would just kind of show up and play and do stuff. But I still remember growing up and you have that one friend's dad that was just jacked. And then everybody's like, man, I kind of want to be like, and wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but whatever, just was strong. He was dad strong and he would work. You knew he worked out and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't dawn on me until maybe late in high school, early college. It's like, he didn't do like a 12 week program to get that way. He didn't do like this power building sort of thing to get that way. He just literally showed up every day or however many days a week that he did. And he did that for decades. I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to get there. So if I'm just walking, like I'll walk. But if I can sprint, like I'll sprint. And like, those are the days where everybody thought he was Superman because he just was fixing the car and he picked up a car tire with this arm and he did this and whatever. We're going, how the heck? <laughs> but now I look back going, he literally just showed up every day. It didn't have to be shorts and all like didn't didn't worry about gym attire like probably just like a tank and jean shorts some new balance shoes just getting it done oh man it, and then now it's it dawns on me it's like there there was no secret there was no secret there was no 12 week program there was no power building nothing it was just literally show up you know what you had to do do some work if it's a rough day, you do a little bit. If it's not, you do a lot more. And then you kind of can do that consistently over a period of time. And so time's the one thing that doesn't stop for any of us. And I think just a matter of using it when we have it, which is right here, right now, that's that's the best we can do. What that looks like, it varies. And you mentioned it earlier. It's like some athletes do have a hard time making modifications because it makes them feel like something's wrong, right? And that's, that's a whole different avenue of like, the mental approach to some training and even just some mental health and mental skills things that come up in our world quite a bit. It's like, how do you maneuver around that when now if you've got to modify a training session, somebody thinks something's wrong with them. It's like, no, you're just living this thing called life and it ebbs and flows all the time. So when it ebbs, right, we just, we just, we bob and we weave. We, we move around, we make adjustments, and we keep going forward. It's not like we're stopping because that's not the goal. It's we're just taking a slightly different route. Right? Your GPS says recalculating. You don't ask questions. You just follow, follow what Siri says and just keep going on the highlighted route. So 
Yeah, it, exactly. And, and like the other thing with that, I think there's like having that mindset of modification, whether that's a regression or a progression, but like using those sprint days can be so like, it's can be such an opportunity to not only like take that energy and hone it, but also like allow that momentum to carry forward either in the next training session or into practice or, you know, wherever it continues forth. But like there, it's such a, like, I, you've had these days where it's just all feel good in the gym and like one, like one person's doing something and like that, that energy just like perpetuates throughout everybody. And by the end of it, you have like the whole gym just hyped up, just ready. And you're like, yeah, this is like to, to not recognize that and not try to take advantage of those days. Like it's such a lost opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard to manufacture, right? You, it's hard to just make it. It's, it's such an organic thing that takes place. And so when it does, and that goes into culture as well, it's just building a culture where some, you can have more of those days, right? Just maybe there's that one person not having a great day, but because you've developed a culture, whether in our situation, be a team or even just a lifting group, there's places that I've trained where you walk in, there's a smell. It's not clean, but the, you know they clean the place, but there's a smell. And you walk in, like all of a sudden your demeanor changes, everything, it's it's go time, it's ready to go. And you got a whole bunch of lifting partners that you just get the head nod, all of a sudden you're lacing up your shoes, you get underneath the bar and like things change, it switches. In the athletic setting, it's more so of like the hype, but they turn on whatever radio on Pandora and then people are just going hard. It's hard to fake that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's hard to just manufacture it and say, hey, everybody cheer up. Let's go. That you can try. I've tried. It doesn't work that easily. You've got to just put in place some of the building blocks of, hey, if we do this one thing consistently well, we'll have way more days, like you said, where we can sprint and then a few other days in between. It's like, hey, we'll walk. We're good. We're still we're still going where we need to go. Let's just use this time to take care of ourselves, take care of business. And then when we got to drop the hammer again, we'll drop the hammer. Yeah. And it, it's such like it can come in such a subtlety that, like you said, it can't be manufactured because like how how natural it can come. Like I'm thinking of the other day um, with my training partner, both of us were squatting. I had heavy singles. He had heavy doubles. And like. I don't know if he was doing this, but I certainly was doing this where it was like, okay, like both of us had sets of five. I was like, how fast from the time that he's done with his can now I do mine. So it puts the clock back on him. And like, even something little like this, like who's going to break? Like who, you know, it's like, it's such a nonverbal thing, but it's just like, okay, right after you go, like I'm standing here, I'm ready to go. So once that weight's loaded, like, now I'm going and it's back onto you. Like just that volley of like, who's going to take a little bit longer to rest. Absolutely. It's so there's some training partners of mine that we, there would be three of us, sometimes three to four of us. And out of the whole group, I'm not the strongest, but I don't have the biggest gas tank. One of them was a former college wrestler. Just can go, go, go. The other one, big Parity. time football player, <laughs> big time football player. And, older than both of us and just he can move some weight so it's like 
if our working sets were never heavy enough for him, he would just, he would run it, jump in, rotate. So we made it kind of our unspoken mission to just wear him out. And so it would literally be like, I go, you go, all right, you're up. And then mm-hmm. he would hop off as soon as he gets off the bench, as soon as he gets off the, whatever it was, it's like, we hop in, we go, we go. It's like, all right, you're up. And just, just to try to push that next level. And we were always doing it with each other. Um, funny one that I saw years ago, it's probably around six years ago or so. There's two athletes. They were both multi-event track athletes, just athletes in general, like played basketball, did this, did that. Now they're on the track team doing a whole bunch of different events, sprinting, jumping, throwing. And for whatever reason, they were on two separate racks, mainly because like their height differences. But they were squatting and their weights were fairly similar, within five to 10 pounds. And as they get to like their last two or three working sets, I think there was maybe one or two more sets left. I started to notice something because I would have them spot each other and I'd, I would just watch them and then helping a few other people out. One of them loaded his weight, walked over to the water fountain, took a sip. While he was doing that, the other one looked to see what he had on there. He threw on five pounds more on his bar. Guy comes back from the water fountain, looks at his bar, gets ready to go, looks at his friend while he's at the water fountain. He throws on five more pounds. I watched this go on for two minutes. Nobody <laughs> moved the weight. And they just kept going back and forth thinking like, this is my last set. It's got to be heavier than his. And, like, and they didn't realize it was happening until I called them out on it. And they both just died laughing. Ended up, I think, doing the same weight. But um, I'm going, that is so awesome. For that to just happen organically and have that competition, that competitive edge, it's just ingrained in them. And also, like, have that fact where they could push each other. It's not just one person going, eh, okay, I don't care what he's doing. It's like, to a point, you got to worry about yourself. But if you can push somebody else and you know they're pushing you and it's always back and forth, like, that's an environment that, uh, again, it's hard to manufacture. It's got to be organic, um, and it's cool to see. And we've all done it to some extent. Yeah, and and you know, like in like that competitive nature, even to like such a small thing of, like I'm gonna chip up and do five pounds more than you because I can. But like some sometimes that like in in the transition phase out of athletics, I think that's something that can like be lost. And it's, it's not something that's necessarily ever verbalized. And so it might take a while to realize it, like how crucial that environment can be to progressing or like having that good association with working out. Because yeah, it, it is those moments that like, there's no way that, that like you can set them down and like inspire them to do that like that's something that's only going to come natural and like just pure want of like I want to be one percent better than this this person it's the same thing like like training with people like just just trying to get like that one little the one little moment of like I got you and whenever I was hearing about like you training with your um, training partners like very very similar situations of like even something of pushing the pace where like if it's a longer, like if it's multiple sets and they take a longer rest period and like, even just like that deep inhale, like, like got you, got there him. it is. Got like that, that's got all I'm yeah. Like, and, and that's something if like, if you've never experienced it, you can't describe that feeling, but it's like such a, 
like such a small little thing, but it means so much whenever you're just like there. That's I won. I won. It doesn't matter that they lift more. Anything we do past this, like I've won. It, oh man. Couldn't be, <laughs> couldn't be more right. I, so lately I've gotten into this thing where I look at training past the physical, right? Um, and like, there's kind of like this performance model out there where there's the, the physical, the technical, the tactical, the mental component to training, right? And each person. And so whether it's technically you're working on certain things in your sport, tactically it's just how you organize yourself, your playbook, whatever it might be. And that mental piece, I've, been, I've had a conversation with coaches recently and I do this with athletes now when that first time somebody gets a heavy bar in their hands uh, and we've all seen it, right? It's the freshman or it's the sophomore, finally start pushing a little bit and they put down that RDL or that deadlift and they look at their hands and they do one of these. It's like, no, that's not how you finish a set. And like, I have those conversations where it's like, you know how you finish a set? This is how you finish a set. And this is totally jokingly, this is taken from like the Ray Lewis of the days where I'm like, you take this hand, his hand, you pump your chest and that's how you finish a set. And not because I want a whole bunch of people walking around like they're playing for the Baltimore Ravens or anything, but simply because it's like that right there might be all that it takes to give somebody else the edge, right? I've had a conversation with the coach two actually on separate occasions where it's like, man, I just don't understand why some people will finish something and accomplish something, but then look defeated after they did it. It's like, you just did that. Like you did that set of three, or you did that sprint, you did whatever it is. You did that. I get it. I understand what it's like to feel exhausted after doing something or just feel wiped after a hard set or multiple. But the conversation went, it's like, there's always that one person that even you're competing with, especially not on the same team, like opposite teams competing against your neck and neck. You probably feel worse than they are. But once they showed you that little bit of, like you said, that one breath or that sigh or that thing, you just go, got them, yep. got them. And it's like, I don't know if you can teach that, but it's definitely one of those things that I'm trying to teach because you get that alone can be invigorating. That alone can give you just enough to go, all right, I got another one in me. I got another one in me because if they're showing me that, I can I can outlast, I can win, I can endure, I can go to another point. And kind of going back to what we were talking earlier, you don't get that a lot in the online training space. And you get those people that maybe they don't have that competitive edge because they don't have those training partners and stuff anymore. One of the questions I've started to ask more and I've gotten this from guys like James Mack and a few others. Like I just, I do start talking metrics a little bit more. Some of them subjective, some of them objective, but now it's like they can have some of those mini competitions with themselves, right? You've got to reframe them a little bit so that they're not trying to beat PRs they hit when they were in their prime before they had two kids or before they were doing a bunch of stuff and working nine to five, but you've got to give them little things that let them know that, hey, we took a step up here. We took a step up here. You won this thing today because that's what I do think there's that innate sense of that innate longing to be dominant, to be, to win, to accomplish things. And, and most athletes, most people in general. And so when they step out of that arena that they've always known and that facility that they've always been familiar with, they don't get that same sense of winning all the time. And so you've got to teach them how to look for the little wins that they're getting on a consistent basis 
provided that they're still doing the things in life, right? Whether it's home, gym, weight room, whatever, that transition is one of the things, and that just made me think of that, but that transition is one of those things that some people do lose out on, they struggle with. Like I've had those conversations almost every year. There's somebody that's now retiring in their collegiate career and they, they don't know what they're gonna do, right? Because they've always tried to be on the podium. They've always tried to win. They've always tried to do whatever. And now it seems like they're just going into a stream of fish working nine to five or they're going into something else. And they don't realize that that can, you can still compete at some level. You can still win at some level. What it looks like might be different, right? It's like setting out intentions for the day, maybe a schedule and then just hammering some things done. Like that could easily be a win for the day. You got a 30 minute workout in and so many people out there didn't like that's a win for the day. Um, and so there's levels to this stuff, but hundred percent that, that thing where you see that opponent or you see that training partner just go, Ugh, got him. Exactly. <laughs> got him. Like, like it, yeah. If, if you've never experienced it, like it's, it's almost indescribable, but I think it's awesome. That, lost all right. Sorry about that. A little bit of technical difficulty. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's so like, so crucial and like awesome that you're identifying some of the psychology that goes into it. And even something as like small of like, Hey, when you finish the set, instead of looking at like your, uh, you're like crumpled hands from the deadlift bar, like just Ray Lewis it out like that. That's awesome to hear. Um, I know that uh, you've got a ton of stuff going on today and need to head out. I just want to say that I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, had a great conversation. Like, like I said earlier, this, this is the stuff that like reignites me and like recharges my battery. And now, you know, my brain's just working a mile a minute. So I'm excited to like jump off of here and lay out notes and everything. And, um, and yeah, just appreciate like getting to have this conversation. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you uh, coming and joining the podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. It's definitely been great to have finally have this conversation. You got to do this again soon. Absolutely. Yeah. You are welcome anytime. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of continue more conversations off of this, but um, appreciate you coming on and you have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Take care.